Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, the podcast is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. You can get 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. I'm Dan Moylan. Hello to you. With me is Michael Normanton. Hello. And so is Moscow White, Daniel Chapman. Hello. So this is Propaganda, the new podcast, but the final time we do it this season, where we have a look at what's been said about Leeds United by you and by the opposition fans and in the wider world of Propaganda. First, we will take a look at what we got right, wrong, or otherwise on the Match Ball. Our TSB Plus subscribers sent us their feedback on the Match Ball podcast. This is what they picked out as the talking points from our victory in the final game of the season at home to West Brom. Stephen did our work for us. We knew, we knew someone would, and he got in touch to say that we reached 29 points on the 31st of January after beating Leicester. Which would be enough to keep us up. So 29 points was the benchmark this season. Plenty of people tweeted about that as well. I haven't noted down their names. Just know that if you did, I thank you. They should know that if you did, Dan doesn't care. We could have treated the whole rest of the season from February to now like we did West Brom. Just, I was saying we could have taken off a player every match, given them a big round of applause one by one for the uh, the championship promotion. Do it like that and really wind everybody. Imagine scum standing at Elland Road while we applaud off. I don't know. Ben White, we could have brought him in yes. just to take him off again. I mean, I'm sure Brighton would have been fine with that. That's England's Ben White as well. Congratulations to Benjamin. Stephen did also point out as well that we could have started the season at that point and still stayed up as well. So we could have given everyone a five-month start and just not, could have not turned up. And then uh, I suppose it would have made it more exciting, wouldn't it, if we'd have stayed up on the last day with that win. How have you been feeling over the last couple of days since the end of this game? I've been kind of on a little bit of a cloud, not a cloud, like, is the phrase, what, on a bit of a cloud? I'm not, not, under, under not a cloud. Under a cloud, that's bad. I mean, walking on the clouds. I felt I felt buoyant and happy, I think it might be. It's like a slightly light version of the feeling after we got promoted. I've really enjoyed it. I've just realised I'm quite happy. I'm a bit sad it's over, because particularly the form we've been in, it's one of those we think another 10 games might have been quite fun this season, because we could have we could have got into the Champions League if they'd only extend the season. But because of a Leeds... Bias in the FA, they're not letting us do it, are they? They're playing 38 games, typical. It is probably one of the uh, the best ninth place finishes we've ever had. Probably one of the best any club has ever had. Are we going to do a trophy? Do a little cup? Finishing ninth? A shield, maybe. Mm. Marcelo a, Bielsa, plate, a plate. What about a plate? Marcelo Bielsa finally relented because all season, I don't know why nobody got this in his press conferences, but people were always saying, are you going to be happy this season if you do this or that? And he would always say, there's no fucking point in me talking about this because we haven't done it yet. Ask me at the end of the season. And somebody asked him, I was paraphrasing that, I don't yeah, think yeah. those exact words, although I think one of Andreas's jobs is uh, filter out the profanity. And he was asked, and uh, yeah, it turns out he thinks we could have just maybe a few more points. Just a few. First half of the season, a few more points would have been nice. And 
I assume that would have got us into the UEFA Cup. Well, I think somebody... No, it wouldn't have done because that would also have needed the time machine. Europa League. (laughs) Somebody did work out, I think, in... I don't know whether eight out of the ten last seasons, our points tally would have seen us into Europe. But then again, I think we can't forget that we've got three pathetic teams in the bottom three slots who have just lost all season, which has artificially inflated the points required to to get into Europe. It's like everybody's done quite well in the upper half, haven't they? And the middle of the table's changed a little bit as well because we've had seasons where Man City and Liverpool have basically won everything. They've had a hundred points, haven't they? Basically, in the last two seasons, and in one of the seasons, Liverpool also came second with like 98 points or something ridiculous. So they've been beating everyone, whereas this year it's been a bit more spread out, which has not been to our advantage. Yeah, I'm not going to... uh, Well, maybe it has been to our advantage a little bit because I feel like a lot of clubs, Liverpool in particular, just didn't handle the Pandini well at all. And it was um, probably right that Rob Price got the Bobby Collins Award at the end of season dinner for the way he's got the club through that because we've had no... I mean, touch all the wood you want, but there's not really been like a, a massive serious injury to anybody. Our players, as we saw, even against West Brom, when they've knocked off for the season after the team's on holiday, still comfortably outrun them. All those uh, graphs that the Athletic published over the weekend where it shows sprints per team and how fast and how much everybody runs and they have to extend the access for Leeds United. I think we probably were very well set up for what was quite a weird season in a lot of ways with the scheduling and the timing and the the fitness and pre-season being all screwed up and nobody really knowing how to deal with it. Leeds did very well through that and so it will be interesting to see next season whether Liverpool and Manchester City sort of reassert that runaway dominance or whether it will be Leeds asserting our runaway dominance. It It will be us. It was weird, just talking about the scheduling. I um, I think it was last night, so it would be like Monday night. I was like, why, why is there no football on? We've had wall-to-wall football seven days a week pretty much for months now, and it was weird not having it. Anyway, talking about uh, clubs that should have got more points, West Brom, let's get back on topic. Uh, Big Sam was picked out by a number of people on the feedback form. Alex was, in particular, picking out Big Sam for... What did he do, was his, was his question. They just left it at that, which I, I guess is a a general comment on his impact this season. I mean, post-game, you'd think he'd done really well, Big Sam. We'll come on to the clip of him in propaganda, but he was moaning, that, saying how oh, they, they were in the game and they could have got something, and, and then it, later on he was saying how they could have got something out of the last couple of games, and that's just the way it's gone for him. But he's talking bollocks. I had a look back. The XG in our game, 2.38 to 1.12. Against West Ham, 3.48 to 1.2. And Liverpool, 2.05 to 0.99. So they've rightly lost three games in a row. I don't know why he's moaning. He's moaning because he doesn't want to take ownership of this relegation, does he? It's not his. He's managed to distance himself enough from it to make it sound like none of it was his fault. They just needed a little bit more in the opposition penalty area, didn't they? But Slavin just didn't didn't leave him anybody who could put the ball in the net. So going to have to have a word with Mr. Bilic. Uh, the obvious hot topic that came in through the feedback was about Pablo Berardi and a, uh, a sea of emotions, an ocean of emotion, let's call it that, that was poured out over the weekend for uh, for our departing heroes. We have had a, a statement from Pablo via Ma, his wife, who published it after the uh, after the West Brom game, which wasn't known to us at the time. And his statement echoed a lot of obviously what Berardi said: high emotions, never prepared for leaving, being overwhelmed, lived incredible experiences, laughed, cried, unforgettable moments. And it goes back to exactly what we said on the Pablo 
and Berardi podcast before the weekend, which was football is all about moments and he provided one of the best ever. There were a few little tear-jerking bits of his statement, aren't there? That Pablo as a football player is leaving, but Pablo as a person, a Leeds fan and a friend will continue here forever. These statements do always make it sound a little bit like people have died, which is the way it feels in a strange sort of way. But um, I think it, I think you're right. Actually, it, it is the same. It's the same emotion. You're grieving for something that's over, aren't you? I remember it's like you can feel it for like a good book, or sometimes you'll get right into a TV program. And I remember watching The Wire for the first time, and when The Wire got to the end, I kind of grieved for it because it was finished. And I feel a little bit the same. Like this is like I, I don't want to see him do a nutmeg just one more time, or you know, just relive all those moments and think, oh, come on, he can provide more of them still. He's, he's not finished yet. Why does he have to go? And he did he did sign off with a nutmeg as he well, did. didn't he? Which was a, it's the way he should have gone. I mean, the, scoring the penalty is the way he should have gone, but never mind, never mind. These things are rarely perfect, are they? And let's not forget um, Gitano Berardi. And he, he went over to the crowd and gave one fan a fist bump, bless him. And we know that fan, don't we? I mean, long-time listeners to the podcast, if you've been here since the start, will remember when Oddie was on it some years back. And he's the guy in the background who does all sorts of stuff here for us. And he's the one who has been successfully grooming the professional footballer for the last several years. Since we interviewed him in 2017, he's kept in touch with Gaetano. And um, Gaetano, he seems like he's a lovely fella, does Berardi, doesn't he? He's like genuinely thoughtful, he's emotional, and he's really, really connected to everything that's happened. I mean, it does Berardi disservice to say Oddie has just groomed him because I think it's been a two-way thing yeah. by the end. I mean, whether or not he, he eventually came to accept that he he had this this fella messaging him all the time. But I know, like, just to, again, to go back to the sort of bloke Berardi is like, Oddie's wife is, had been ill and thankfully he's now fine. But through that, Berardi would send him messages and say, like, I hope it's all going all right and stuff like that, which he didn't need to do, did he? So it's no. just a, a mark of the man and I guess stuff behind the behind the scenes that maybe people don't see. And even on the uh, the photos and the the video that Oddie's been proudly sharing with us of um, of Berardi coming to say goodbye to him, the rest of the players, it's on the lap of honour. They're miles away. Like Berardi has taken ages over going to the uh, the bit of the stand where he knew Oddie would be. Like you kind of, it was one of these things. This is Gatano all over. He said, "Oh, I'll look for you at the end of the game." And you think, "Well, yeah, whatever." And of course, while everybody else is, you know, almost to the other end of the of the stand, he's still looking for Oddie to make sure he gets that done. And it's just, you know, that's, yeah. and that's and who we're dealing Let's not with. forget the, the centenary shirt as well, that, you know, each of the players, I believe they were given two, weren't they? And he gave up one of his to give to us to auction off for charity and it raised 30 grand for the Leeds Children's Hospital. So just little things like that. I've just, I'm, I'm going to go again. So <laughs> can somebody else talk? <sighs> yeah, very emotional. Yeah, there was there was a lot of that in the feedback form. People saying Nathan saying the, the pure emotion of seeing Pablo and Berardi for the last time. He was lucky enough to be at the game, and he's not ashamed to admit there were tears. And it was lovely. It's sort of a, a, a little thing, but Bartley going over to say goodbye to them because there is a there's an alternative reality out there, isn't there? Where um, Pontus Janssen, Kyle Bartley, Luke Ayling, and Berardi is the back four, and Pontus still might get into the the Premier League this season. Kyle Bartley did it by other means and he's going back down, but there's still that that little connection that really uh, sings through and says a, a lot about. I don't know, I just pictured uh, Sam Allardyce at that point fucking fuming. And uh, that also adds to the, the delight that West Brom's players cared more about what Leeds players were doing. Just mopping chip fat from his brow when he was sweating in fury. I mean, one of the details that hasn't come up is the uh, the the coat swap with Sam Lee that has um, this extraordinary attention on that in Argentina. It's like, it's one of the biggest stories of the weekend. 
is that um, it's quite hard to frame a coat, isn't it? If you're trying to put it in your snooker room or whatever as a footballer, trying to wedge it into an enormous frame. <laughs> well, there's, I mean, Sam Lee obviously wanted Bielsa's. I don't know what the fuck Bielsa is going to do with Sam Lee's coat. Have but... a look at the charity shops of Weatherby. If you keep a keen eye out for um for a West Brom bench ca- jacket, I'm sure it'll be in there. Too. Who, who manufactures West Brom's kits? Puma, I think. Is it? I've got a feeling it's Puma because I remember looking at how dreadful their kit was on the weekend and thinking, who's done this? <laughs> Someone should be. Should be sacked for this offence. It is Puma. I've had a look. Yeah, I've checked. Which is interesting as well because the, you know, you'll know the story of the two brothers, mm-hmm. the Dazzler brothers. One went off to form Puma because they fell out, and the other one, Adi Dazzler, created Adidas. So maybe we're maybe we're healing a family rift here. It was Adi Dazzler and Puma Dazzler were the two <laughs> two famous brothers, weren't they? Yeah, the the um, evolution of the reporting in uh, Argentina as well. It started with them. Uh, the assistant trainer has asked for the coat as a mark of respect, and then. Somebody obviously got his name, and then there's a, a massive biography of Sam Lee, the Liverpool legend, everything he ever achieved in the game, the time that he was part of the ceremony, uh, the mass at, in Liverpool Cathedral when Pope John Paul II came to Liverpool. And so, John Paul II, yeah, the sequel. <laughs> um, it wasn't. He was number two, wasn't he? <laughs> you normally say the second, don't you? I like the fact. I like the fact you just do two, I like Queen Elizabeth two, Henry eight. <laughs> Anyway, they were very excited about that in uh, in Bielsa's hometowns. Uh, very good, Alioski as well. We never talked about his um, giving his shirt to that that young lady, and we thought we all went, "Oh, that's really sweet." You've seen a you've seen a little girl there who's made a sign asking for his shirt, and then it cut away to somebody else, and yeah. somebody else, "Oh, you're a set of greedy bastards." And it was picked out uh, by a number of people that she didn't even say please on her sign. The ungrateful little wretch. <laughs> I mean, the Derby playoff griefcast. Had me calling a, a small child, uh, I think it was a miserable bitch. Miserable, miserable little bitch, I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> Ungrateful little bitch. <laughs> no, it was, um, I mean, John Crossland did get in touch via the feedback form to think it was a stage thing to make us think well of Alioski. But I mean, if it was, he, he took precautions because there were people in every bit of the ground asking for shirts. So it's a new thing, isn't it? They're asking for people's shirts. Is it an eBay thing? or I'm not <laughs> suggesting that that young lady was a, a mercenary market capitalist wanting to make an instant profit on a shirt that she's acquired from a professional footballer. Maybe she works for Sam Lee. He's got a sideline in eBay memorabilia. Could be, could be. Uh, Eric picked out that we were saying goodbye to the promotion squad in many ways. Made me sad, this one. We're not going to see it. This is going to be the most the most promotion-y Leeds team we see, isn't it, from, from now on? Yeah. They're all going. Yeah, the fact that 10 players from Bielsa's first game against Stoke all played against West Brom on Sunday. Alioski, Ailing, Berardi, Cooper, Dallas, Harrison, Hernandez and Phillips and then Tyro and Bam Bam were on the subs bench as well. So that's a lot of players. And yeah, I don't know. In many ways, do you think this season has almost been tagged onto the promotion? It's felt like a continuation of the same set of emotions, hasn't it, in the end? I think so. And I think because the players have not changed that much, it's only in this latter bit of the season that we've actually seen... Durante and Rodrigo playing a decent number of minutes because it, it was more or less the promotion team. The stars of this season, as we'll, we'll come to in the main podcast, Stuart Dallas won Player of the Year by like 70% of votes or something. So that goes to show just how much of a of a strong performance it has been from those players. So this is it though now. This is it. I think I think Hernandez particularly is the totem of that, mm. that promotion. With him gone, it does feel like a, a moving on, which is something I'm not altogether happy with but I know I know it does need to happen and I know Pablo isn't getting any younger so it does need to happen but let's talk about something nice the fans in the stadium that was good and the volume 
that they generated, we set out the challenge on Twitter. So please, you know, do your best for us. Go in there and roar at four times the volume because those of us who can't be there wish we could. And I think the fans were amazing. It's been picked out by Ryan in Australia and Elliot as well. Gary, uh, Jerry, sorry, Muck. Elliot as well, picking out in particular that it's been nice to see um, referees being a bit of, having a bit of accountability after hiding behind VAR with no crowds. He said it was... Um, it was refreshing to see referees having to try and ignore us 8,000 people chat how crap they are. <laughs> That's what it's all about. It fed into the idea of it being um, like a coda to the promotion season as well. When the lap of honour was happening, you could hear through the television speakers a lot of people chanting champions and uh, campiones and those kind of things, sort of getting in the songs that we weren't able to sing to them last year unless you were crowding around the bus or singing it at the side of the east stand. I found that strangely poignant, you know, that moment. I really did. We've not had a chance to do this at all, and, and here we are, so even though there were players there who didn't experience that promotion. Weird, but nice in a way as well, nice. I, you wouldn't want to take it away from Rafinha, would you? No. <laughs> he could be a champion right now if he wants to. It was nice to see him, actually. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about the awards, yeah, in the main show, but um, just see him laughing and joking with the rest of the squad. Because all you see is an angry bastard on that field, don't you? Yeah, Andy Natal in the feedback form, he describes him as an angry boy, which I liked. <laughs> Argument with Bamford over who gets to take the penalty. Why, then why, having, don't we, why don't we call him focused and motivated? Yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. Then having to be restrained by a laughing Liam Cooper from continuing the argument. <laughs> Bless him. Yeah, he's, um, he takes it seriously and I don't mind that. I dig, yeah. I absolutely dig. And uh, Liam says his arse fell out when Rafinha and Bamford had that uh, disagreement over who was taking the penalty. And Rafinha gave Bam Bam the death to Ming eyes and had a bit of a strop. And he was the last to join the celebrations. You think it would have been the same if um, Pablo Hernandez had still been on? Everybody thinking, oh, this is great. This is the moment we all wanted. Pablo gets to take the penalty and Rafinha's running up. Yeah. No, no, just, mine, mine, mine. <laughs> just as he's uh, about to kick it, Rafinha from nowhere sticks it in the top corner. <laughs> Yeah, he, um, I think he uh, he likes scoring goals, doesn't he? He absolutely seemed determined to get one and has done for several weeks now. Whenever he doesn't score, he wants to score. And I'm all for that. If he wants to score goals for Leeds. It's the same with all of them. Like um, Jackie's had some humorous grief for the way he's, uh, uh, you, you could hear him. It's kind of the last thing we'll hear in a, a deserted stadium is at Burnley, um, Harrison shouting at, who who scored that goal that he was got? It was Click, wasn't he? Clicky! <laughs> and the ball never comes and then Tyler as well even after the like um, Roberts had put the ball in the net Harrison's just standing there with his arms wide and then Bamford as well he's a, he's a greedy bastard in exactly how you want a striker to be and it's kind of um, it's good to have all our forward players because they, they don't take it to the point it's not Andy Cole and Teddy Sheringham never passing to each other it's everyone just I want to stick the ball in the net I want to get a goal today and that's uh, it's a positive thing until yeah until Rafinha is strangling somebody and then it's maybe all a challenge for Liam. Uh, the punditry was picked out by Jelly on the feedback form. Was very very pleased to hear Savage tapping into Hecky uh, with his analysis, complimenting our performance across the season, both with and without the ball. Seems to be the the two very important factors when it comes to football with the ball, without the ball. Also said it's nice that. The narrative is getting slightly rewritten now because the commentary said that we were playing like we were plugged into the national grid. So I think it's finally starting to dawn on people that actually, oh, we don't tire as the season wears on. We've got more running in us than just about anybody else. On Hecky, actually, I'm going to, we have to jump ahead. I did listen to pre-game and two post-games. No whip ball, we out ball this week. 
Is, so, is he job or we out job at the minute? Well, that's what it was all about, I think. They didn't talk about what had happened on the pitch at all, more or less. So I think that's what ruined it for him. But hopefully, he got another win, didn't he? So you never know. He's He's got to be making his, his way up that shortlist now. And no one else is going to want to take the thing, have they? So. On the flip side of the punditry, Philip picked this out and said, just how lazy is Premier League punditry? It is actually. It is incredibly lazy, isn't it? It's really, it's tabloid narrative. Is you've re- I've realised this over the course of the season and I've stopped getting annoyed by it now, particularly in the wake of, let's say, the anger surrounding the issue with Karen Carney. We've laughably disproved that. But yeah, it really is. You watch it and you think, oh God. But then you've got to remember, it's for mass consumption, is it? It's not targeted at us just because we're watching it as Leeds fans. It's not intended to be um, to be just for our consumption. Uh, Philip says it's it's like that bit in Star Trek where the saucer part of the Enterprise detaches from the rest of the ship. They just have no idea what happens below the Premier League. Yeah, that's a fair point. I've not ever seen Star no. Trek. No. But I'll take his word for it. And ultimately, there was just a nice feeling about what this season has been for us, how it's felt, what it's been like to live through, and Liam laughing at the fact it was almost testimonial style, which is something that we mentioned um, on the match ball. And, and plenty to be optimistic about as well. Rodrigo looks like he's going to click into gear next season. I feel sorry for him missing out on Spain, by the way. That feels like it, a, a bit of a blow for him. Gets a rest though, doesn't he? I feel like after the season he's had, this is where I'm, my little selfish bit kicks in with all these international call-ups. Like there's a, there is still a bit of me thinking, well, maybe maybe if Calvin stays at home this summer, it might be for the best. Problem is, these uh, footballers when they were little kids growing up, they weren't dreaming of of a summer coming around and having a rest. So what they're going to football for is it? And I think Nathan is the perfect place to finish on the feedback. He says. We're just fucking brilliant, aren't we? Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. In this part of the show, then we'll find out what the opposition fans have had to say about Leeds United and probably just wallowing in their own um, on their own misery. Southampton liked us far too much last week, so let's hopefully find out that the West Brom fans don't. There's a fair bit of admiration there when we get on to them, but first of all, let's let's just hear from Big Sam. I've left him in just because the contrast with Bielsa is so great in the way he talks about things, the distance he is creating here between what he does and what the team does is so ridiculous compared to the way Bielsa just takes responsibility for everything. Just listen to it. This is basically Big Sam interviewing for his next job. Always in the game, but uh, 
Missed a chance to go 1-0 up in the first minute. Free header in a six-yard box headed wide. Another chance is after that. And then we conceded two very sloppy goals that were worked on yesterday for us not to concede. And that was a corner. And then a free kick just before half-time. And obviously those mistakes you cannot make at this level. And, and you know, if you're going to get beat by Leeds, you want to get beat by the football they play or the quality of goals at the scores and you don't want to gift them and we gifted them. Then we gifted them a penalty uh, and in between that we had many, many chances to score ourselves but our usual failing until the end when uh, Al finally put the ball in the back of the net for us but that was uh, long overdue with the chances that we created today. That externalisation of the blame is quite spectacular, isn't it? We worked but, on that. We worked on that but they didn't listen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, They had chances but they missed them. Blaming it on mistakes as well i.e. it's the player's fault and he said and when he said it's the usual failings and the subtext to those words usual failings is we all know what the problem is i know what the problem is i've told them what the problem is and they still don't do anything about it it's their fault and to claim they were always in the game are we yeah. sure about that and that free header that he talked about that was the kyle bartley one i guess which wasn't free there was someone very much next to him when he got his head to it it was it not was luke Haley. it was not a really easy chance or anything was it there is um a photograph I've seen of Luke Ayling almost like pulling Kyle Bartley's shirt off. I'm not sure if it's that header that he's going for, but he's definitely um, marking him in a uniquely friendly way. And West Brom, they did get some chances. They, they got the goal at the end that Calvin gave them. But we spent most of the match, certainly the, the first half of the second half, trying to set up a goal for one of our players to score just for fun. Like if we'd have, like it's a kid's birthday party. Yeah, if we'd have left. The it's whole, little jo- uh, little Joe's seventh birthday. Give him, give Joe the ball. Joe, you go up front. Joe, I know you're useless, but you go up front. Not that Pablo is Joe and or useless. No, if we'd left that whole part of it out and just concentrated on scoring, giving the ball to Rafinha every time, eighteen nil, something like that. I don't know. Maybe that. I can't remember what the the XG you said was. I'm sure it was eighteen nil. <laughs> we we should have scored double the amount of goals they did, and essentially their best chance came at the end, when Calvin Phillips let them have the ball. We did. We, we scored, scored three. No, but double. I mean, according to the XG is what I'm saying. So we, like, it was, a, it was a fair score is what I'm saying. We, we deserved to win and did. And it wasn't Big Sam's fault. Let's hear from their fans then. Uh, West Brom Fan TV. What is in store for us here, Michael? Leeds United Fan TV. Are we signing them up? Getting them over here again? Is, are they like Southampton? The Southam- maybe the Southampton bus can, um, can pick them up on the way to, to Ellen Road next season. I mean, if I wasn't a complete swivel-eyed Leeds loving bastards I would probably feel a bit of sympathy for other football fans because if you think about particularly West Brom they went toe-to-toe with us at the top of that division for a very very long time to the extent where there was almost when we got promoted I think due to Slavin Bilic a, a bit of mutual respect there because you quite liked him there was that hug between Bilic and, uh, and Bielsa on the touchline you think ah that it's nice that we've come out of what was a really close run battle with at least a sense of kinship but since they put Big Sam in charge I'm you know, laughing my tits off at them and thinking ah well you screwed it. West Brom fans just seem all right as well, don't they? I've never, I've met a few West Brom fans, and they've always just been really normal and sound. They don't, they seem to, they seem to. This is going to sound patronising. They seem to know their place to an extent, like they, <laughs> but you know, in the way that an Arsenal fan never does. Like they, they just have this assumption that they should be really good. Yeah, and Scum fans do as well. And then you get people like Huddersfield fans who've got always got a weird chip on the shoulder about. Leeds and they just don't seem to have any of that don't West Brom they mm. just seem to they just seem to be happy like supporting their team and accepting that things are sometimes good sometimes yeah. bad it's funny isn't it Norwich are, are similar to an extent and it makes no sense to us as Leeds fans who 
carried the weight of the promotion for a decade and a half until we finally made it back up to the Premier League. And it felt like because we were carrying so much weight, it was such a mammoth effort. And yet some of these teams just seem to yo-yo quite happily year after year, getting up and down and up and down, but almost accepting it as well. Whereas we could never accept yo-yoing, could we? It's funny. No, if we were going down now, there would be an absolute meltdown. There would be people throwing the season tickets at the East Stand, <laughs> even though they can't get in. <laughs> but no, West Brom are happy to be going down, more or less, and they're happy to be watching Leeds United. You know, Leeds played really well. I thought the fans were absolutely brilliant today. Fair play to Leeds with how they've done this season. I just want to start off by saying that they've just been a joy to watch this season. And I know there's quite a few Leeds fans who normally comment on my videos sometimes. So I just want to say big congratulations to you lot for where you finished and how you did this season. I know you're not a, a very liked club by a lot of people, but by me you are. I think your fan base is superb. I think you've got a brilliant manager in Marcelo Biesla. He's a good manager. Um, you've got a lot of good players. Biesla. We'll let him off for the Biesla because he said we were great in every other way. And and as well, you know, he's not a professional pundit. It's less forgivable when, you know, Leon Osman or someone on Match of the Day gets his name wrong. But I'm going to allow that. I thought Blick was a good manager for that. <laughs> Blick. <laughs> Tickle me that. Right, who else then? The Liquidator, which is a, a West Brom podcast. They also like us. You know, we are here to talk about West Brom and, and we're both Albion fans. But, I mean, the way Leeds play... At, I said it's like watching a team play at 100 miles per hour. It's just brilliant at times to see that. And we were poor. They were poor. We were brilliant. Big Sam disagrees. Well, he would, wouldn't he? Onto the Express and Star. This is a local paper who do these that's, little... That's two papers. It, it is indeed. It's like uh, the Bradford one. That's, that's <laughs> the, two, isn't it? The Telegraph and Argus. That's the one. Yeah. But they do little videos with, with fans. This this is a book called Joe Massey. And he's he's doing well up to a up to a point here, and I'll let you see if you can you can spot his mistake. To be honest, I don't think Leeds got out of third gear, mm. and they might they might not got out of second if we're being honest. Um, and yeah, just a very sort of flat, disappointing, um, and it was a weird day really. You almost felt like um, Albion was sort of just there to make up the numbers in a strange way. Obviously, Leeds had a couple of big farewells today, Pablo Hernandez, um, and I've forgotten the other chap's name. The fucking disrespect. He was doing well as well, that, wasn't that, he? That name again, Caetano. Joe Massey. Lives in the, the West Midlands somewhere. Do you know what I think we should do? Tell Oddie just to forward that clip on to Gaetano and he will drive back from Italy immediately and go find Joe Massey and let him know what his name is. Sort of, I don't know, like a, sort of a reverse Stan Collymore, I guess. Is it Canuck that Stan Collymore likes to invite people yeah. to for, for a tear-up? This is also from the Express and Start. This bloke, he doesn't have a name on it, sadly, but I do like him, particularly because he's, he's obviously started off trying to be calm and disinterested because he's so annoyed by Allardyce, but then he remembers Allardyce and he remembers <laughs> how how pissed off he is by the whole situation. Can you hear the moment where the switch flips in his head? It's really quite quick. It's after about five seconds. I know it doesn't matter, right? The whole game doesn't matter. But why was Sam there? Hey, you've quit. Go. I'm fuming. I'm actually fuming because what formation was that? Five five zero. We didn't even try. We bent over, said, "Come on, Leeds, do whatever you want. Just help yourself." I was disgusted, and I'm not blaming. Me. I thought all the players tried everything they could, but in that formation, there was nothing they could do. I'm way too angry for a game that didn't matter. But I, all I want from my team is to try. That got quite graphic, didn't it? For a moment, <laughs> bent over and they parted the cheeks and they said, 
all greasy and and they said, "Go on, <laughs> no." <laughs> anyway, yeah, and he's right, and he's right to call out Big Sam for this because his "I'll make them more solid defensively" is worth not a great deal if you have no threat going forwards. Moscow's thinking about proctology, isn't he? I can tell. On to the next one, then. What we got? He's just still really annoyed about <laughs> Sam Allardyce. <laughs> and this is this is the good stuff, isn't it? This is this is the stuff we're here for. Let's face it. We created a couple of chances, but we could have conceded far more. I would rather have lost 5-0 today and actually tried to win it instead of just sticking five men in defence and five men in midfield and not trying. This is why it didn't work. All you Sam lovers who wanted him to stay, yeah, do you know what? I started to believe at one point, but he decided to go. And it was those sort of performances when he first took over, when he was doing those stupid formations and we can't get out of the ball. We just give teams the ball back and that's what they do. Oh, look, they just keep attacking. Do you know what? Because they haven't got to defend. You're not stretching the play. You're not doing anything. It's quite difficult to work out the exact location of his anger, isn't he? Because it seems to be veering from he hated the way Sam Allardyce set the team up and made them play to he got to the point where he believed in him and wanted him to stay. And now he's furious that he's leaving, but was still there. It's a general nebulous anger, isn't it? Yeah, I think this is what Sam Allardyce must do to you. I think it is what it does to you because you you get him for one reason, don't you? And as soon as that reason is gone, there's nothing left, is there? Like if if it goes wrong with Bielsa, we'll still have things to cling to. And we'll be like, well, this happened that was brilliant and he introduced this and this. Allardyce comes in to keep you up and when he doesn't, he just fucking runs off giggling on holiday. It is remarkable how West Brom have fucked up this badly because you mentioned before them kind of doing the yo-yo thing. The whole point of that is to try and build something better. If you're going to go through the whole rigmarole of getting promoted back up and spending all the parachute payments, you need a structure there so that when you go back down, you can come back up. I don't think West Brom will come back up next season. They don't know who's going to manage them. They don't know. They've been so reliant on loans that they don't know who's going to be in the team or how much money they'll have. Norwich, painful to say, they've done it the right way. You stick with Daniel Farke, you stick with the players, Stick with the plan. You know it was good enough to get you into the Premier League. You know it's got a certain level. Hold your nerve. Yeah. And, you know, the the West Brom story is a parallel to ours. If you remember the first season with Bielsa when they rattled four past Bailey Peacock Farrell and we thought that was our first big sign that Bielsa had a ceiling and we're not going to be able to get as comfortably near to the top two as we thought we were if West Brom had that much better than us at that point. Then we played them again a few months later and won 4-0. Pablo scored after 16 seconds and everything's very different. And the, the difference now is stark and funny. Yeah, There's parallels with um, with Warnock, actually. Uh, it's a topic we've, we've spoken about in the last week where we were, it was on the extra ball, wasn't it, where we spoke about it, where we talked about the acceptance of Warnock because you thought, okay, well, maybe there's a short-term solution here, but... In much the same way as it just fell apart with Warnock, it was never going to succeed at Leeds. It's the same here with Big Sam at West Brom. There's just no long-term vision, is there? It's, it's a short-term fix. It's a sticking plaster on on a wound. It goes further up as well because they had a really good coach. And we've mentioned before about how um, Bielsa is difficult to work with and it's kind of it's a tribute to um, Radritzani and Kinnear and Orta that they've managed to keep him so happy at Leeds for longer than he's been at any other club when the presumption was there was a lot of people when he turned up saying, yeah, give him a week, he'll blow up and he'll be out. And they've recognised that 
the best thing about the club at the moment probably is Marcelo Bielsa. He will do everything that they need to happen and done everything they can to accommodate him. Why? I mean, I'm not saying Slavon Bilic is necessarily in that class, but he was, he's a good manager, as he proved getting them promoted. And you'd think somebody above him at West Brom would have the wit to say, let's try and just keep the peace with him and keep him sweet for the rest of the season and maybe keep him for go- for the championship next year if it's instead of this whole just detonate everything, get Sam Allardyce in, play the dinosaurs. I think part of it is when you when you see a manager leave a club in a in a case like this where you've been relegated or like with one of course for us when he's not got us promoted, you want to see a little bit of acceptance that they've not maybe done a great job and that it's not gone well. But in the same way as Warnock did with us, Allardyce is just washing his hands of this and he's just kind of going, well, I was here and I'm more or less perfect. So if it hasn't worked, it's obviously because of something else, isn't it? And if it's your, it's on you, is this? It's not on me. So contrasting once again with Marcelo Bielsa, Bielsa after um, a period of bad work on his parts, he went and uh, lived in a monastery for several months to try and rediscover... Um, analyse his, his own character and what it was about um, him and football that wasn't working. There's a famous story about him, him taking a defeat more severely than the fate of his baby daughter who was in hospital and they didn't know if she was going to live or die. And at one point he sort of said to his wife, he said, I'm not being very rational here because I feel like I care more about the football than I care about whether our daughter survives. Don't and say that, Marcel. He had to kind of, this deep, self-analysis and he always talks about you know the uh, even victory you're only five minutes away from being back to the abyss of defeat and then Sam Allardyce when he was doing the interview last week and they're saying what are your plans now holiday I'm going Betty Dom yeah he's just and they kept saying that and they were like are you gonna go for a holiday will you be good holiday I might come on Sky if you ever invite <laughs> yeah, me yeah you on. won't have me on Sky will you and it just it just turned into this whole fucking thing you realise Sam Allardyce does not give a fuck because Sam Allardyce will be absolutely fine. He will just roam around the after-dinner circuit being bitter about the time he, he lost the England job through no fault of my own. And it's such a different thing. If you imagine Victor Orta, I'm sure he didn't mean it when he said that if Leeds got relegated this season without fans being back in to see Premier League football, he was going to throw himself in the river air. I think he may have been exaggerating, but the, the passion and the intention was, was there. I don't know what Marcelo Bielsa would have offered to Leeds fans if we'd have been relegated this season, what attempt he would have made to try and put that right, how that would have looked, what it would have been like. But I don't think he would have just stood there on Sky going, vacation, vacation. Speak English. Whatever the... um, God, what's he doing that for? What is the Spanish for holiday? I think that Sam Allardyce, what he probably will do is will chuck himself in a river but it will be Willy Wonka's River of Chocolate. Like, oh, gravy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, River of Gravy. Absolutely fine. And if, if he's pioneered that, yeah, Mr. Wonka, but I was just thinking along the lines of uh, of Augustus Gloop, because he reminds me a little bit of Augustus. Back to our, our West Brom friend. I mean, he's fairly despondent at the way the club's being run. Oh, is he still going? He is still going. I mean, we got a little hint of this in the last clip where I think he said they can't get out of the ball, which <laughs> which is a strange thing to be uh, to be stuck in when playing, but... He's kind of lost the ability to speak completely in this clip. We were the best club under Dan Ashworth in the back of back ground, weren't we? <laughs> what was that? It's a good point. I mean, I've, I've clipped the the bit again just so you can you can hear it again. Worth in the back of back ground, weren't we? Weren't we? <laughs> yeah, you were. Yep. <laughs> Whatever you said, think, you were. I think we'll end on something we can all agree on. <laughs> 
this is the point where you kind of you say, right, well, it's been good talking to you. Yep. <laughs> Have a good night, mate. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> your mate's coming back. I'll leave you. Yeah, I'll get out of your way. Just to take us back to where we started this um, this episode of Propaganda, it's just a nice reminder of how good things are for us right now. And we should treasure all this. It feels lovely. I just, I've just had such a nice time now. This whole year, I know we've had moments, we've had doubts, we, were, we had panic and we had fear over going down and Fulham were going to catch us. <laughs> uh, but they didn't. And um, it's just a nice, we've had a nice time and they haven't. And as long as loads of other teams are not having a nice time, it's good for us. I've enjoyed it. I was a bit sceptical about letting fans in all this year. I kind of thought, oh, what's the point? It's only one game. Let's not bother. But I thought it was lovely on, on the weekend to see it. And I know it wasn't the full house that they deserve, but to see some people there so Pablo and Brady could see what it meant to people and stuff, I thought it was a it was important, I think. And it's a nice it's a nice little taster for next season, hopefully. You did say a lot about how good this season has been in particular, because if you looked at the fixtures when they came out and you saw us playing Liverpool Manchester City, Scum, Tottenham, all in a row. And then the last match is, uh, is well, the last match of the season is West Brom at home. I think a lot of us probably had that penciled in as we might need to win that to stay up, especially if the month before is, is terrible if we just go to those clubs and get beaten. The fact that we were so good this year that we could treat the last match basically as a glorified testimonial and do all the emotional things that we wanted to do without the pressure of feeling like there was anything at stake. It could just be a nice day. And for players, I mean, Brady and Pablo, I think they started the game with tears in their eyes and to be able to play that way as a, a beautiful tribute, not just to them, but to the way that this season has been played by all of our wonderful footballers. Just talking of tears in your eyes, have you run through any imagined scenarios in your mind of going back into Ellen Road. I ran through a few in the run-up to this weekend. Like, if I didn't get drawn out of the, the ballot, obviously, because we, uh, we were here. But um, did you have any imagined scenarios of what it would feel like to go back in? I did. And I know that when I step back into Ellen Road again, I think I will cry, particularly when I hear marching on together and when it's full and everyone's singing it just before kickoff. I think what I imagine as much as anything is just, like, walking down my row, because I'm always really late in, because normally I've been pissing around putting magazines in a car and stuff. So I'm normally late in, but that little bit where you sort of just patting people on the back, it'll feel like a really, a real odd throwback, I think, to be like the same faces there, but just a couple of years on and absolutely everything has changed in the football club, but it's all, that bit of it is just beautifully familiar. And I'm, I think that's what I'm looking forward to most. And don't forget that element of human contact that we've all missed so much, because even though everybody was back in Ellen Road, you weren't able to, I don't know, have that proximity. And because Ellen Road is one of those grounds where you're right on top of your neighbours because the leg room's fucking abysmal. <laughs> Sometimes during the pandemic, I've just I've just deliberately smashed my leg with a plastic seat. Just, <laughs> I've just bought one off the cheap one off the internet just to have that feeling again, just to make myself feel alive. Well, we'll wrap up propaganda for the 2021 season there. A new show, and hopefully we'll get a full season out of it next year. I imagine we will. I mean, I'll keep an eye out over summer if there's any Steve Nichol previews of the new season or if Hecky gets the job, we can probably hear him going on about his philosophy in a big press conference, which will be will be nice. So we can we can probably put that out unedited just for him saying whip ball, we out ball every every thirty seconds or so. So we'll we'll keep an eye out for it. And just a reminder that we are doing the main show this week as well. That'll be along in your feed just after this one and then taking a week off like a set of lazy bastards. We're having a week off. But then we're coming back after that as we head in towards the Euros with the the Euro ball, which will still be us chatting shit about football. 
but we'll uh, we'll keep an eye on things uh, during Euro 2020 in 2021, and we'll sign off for this one there. Thanks for listening to Propaganda across this season. We'll speak to you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.